Hi friends, Annie Lobert here with Annie's Pink Chair, where we bring real, raw, relevant issues to the table from a woman's perspective with wit and wisdom. Speaking of wisdom, I love what it says in the Bible in Ecclesiastes about wisdom. And especially, I'm a big fan of Solomon. That was King David's son. And this son prayed to God to give him wisdom to rule his people. And God granted him wisdom and even more riches, riches and blessings beyond comprehension. In fact, at the time, King Solomon was the richest king in the earth. He had the most gold and possessions and a lot of power. And I was reading actually Ecclesiastes 1 this past week, and I really got something awesome out of it again. I think it's probably the 10th time I've read it in my lifetime. Maybe I've read it 12 times. I don't even know, I have lost count. But every time that I read it, I get this deep feeling in my spirit of, I understand. Oh, King Solomon, do I understand your words more than I would have, obviously, when I was a teenager. And let me tell you why. One reason why is because I lived a life of pleasure, right? And so King Solomon actually lived a life of pleasure as well. But here's what he says in Ecclesiastes 1, everything is futile. Now, some of you are like, okay, yeah, everything's futile. Do we even know what futile means? Let's define it really quick. Futile is vain. It's vanity. It's fruitless. It means producing absolutely no result. It also says that it may connotate completeness of failure or un, how about this? Unwisdom, not wisdom, but the opposite unwisdom of undertaking resistance had proved so futile that surrender was the only choice left vain usually implies simple failure to achieve a desired result so now we understand what king solomon was actually saying here he starts off writing this book ecclesiastes with you know everything's futile absolute futility says the teacher absolute futility everything is futile what does a person gain for all his efforts that he labors under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets. Panting, it returns to the place where it rises. Gusting to the south, turning to the north. Turning, turning goes the wind and the wind returns in its cycles. Now it's really neat to note here that Back then, did anyone really know the earth was round? Did we know that? Did King Solomon know that? Yeah, he talks about turning. And we know now that we are a rock, third rock from the sun, and we are turning and revolving around the sun, right? Turning goes the wind, and the wind returns in its cycles, and all the streams flow into the sea, yet the sea's never full. To the place where the streams flow, they flow again. All things are wearisome more than anyone can say. The eye is not satisfied by seeing or the ear filled with hearing. What has been, what will be. 
And what has been done is what will be done. There is nothing new under the sun. Guess what? Solomon was a poet as well. Sounds like he's rapping here, right? Can one say about anything, look, this is new. It has already existed in the ages before us. There is no remembrance of those who came before. And of those who will come after, there will also be no remembrance by those who follow them. Then he even talks about having a limitation to his own knowledge, a.k.a. wisdom, right? Check this out. It says, I, the teacher, have been king over Israel and Jerusalem. I applied my mind to examine, explore through wisdom all that is done under heaven. And God has given people this miserable task to keep them occupied. I have seen all things that are done under the sun and have found everything to be futile, a pursuit of the wind. What is crooked cannot be straightened. What is lacking cannot be counted. I said to myself, see, I've amassed wisdom far beyond those who were over Jerusalem before me. And my mind has thoroughly grasped wisdom and knowledge. I applied my mind to know wisdom and knowledge, madness and folly. I learned that this too is a pursuit of the wind. For with much wisdom is much sorrow as knowledge increases, grief increases. Deep. Everyone listen. It's so true. I am now older in my life. I've lived half of my life so far. I, yes, I am half a century old, okay? And I know this so much to be true that the more things that you know, sometimes the more frustrated you become. Uh, the more life that you know, the more death you know. In other words, the more life you live, the more life you experience, the more sorrow you will experience. And I say that to say this, because I've seen relatives die. My father died, my sister, which she was my best friend. And I'm telling you, and, and very good friends of mine that were in the game and the lifestyle that I used to live, they've lost their lives to this. I've lost family and it hurts in a deep way. In fact, that type of sorrow can put you in a place of deep trauma and actually develop PTSD or complex trauma. Is it possible, I'm not saying it happened, but is it possible that King Solomon was just getting tired and he had lived half his life and he had seen many things and he was just getting tired of it all? You know, after a while, when we live our lives, it becomes a repetitive pattern. Some of the things that we learn keep happening over and over. Things we've experienced keep happening over and over. And, and that's why being aware of that and understanding our purposes in our lives is so important. Like before I had purpose in my life, my first purpose was to chase money, chase money chase things, chase clothing, chase designer things, chase cars, whatever, not like a dog, like a dog's biting the tires or a bike, right? But literally chase items that I thought would fill, just like he talks about the streams filling the ocean. The ocean stays hungry. It's never gonna be filled because the water's gonna keep coming and the water's going to keep getting sucked up from the ocean, evaporated into clouds, and then the clouds are gonna move and pour on other parts of our world, thank goodness, because then we wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't have rain, right? We need rain. Rain's gonna fall down, it's gonna go back into the sea. And it's this cycle that repeats itself over and over. And so 
I, in my life, went to Las Vegas, Hawaii, other states, and I chased money. And I chased finding a relationship that would satisfy my broken heart. Because at a very young age, I realized, hey, I don't like the life I'm living. I don't like my family life. I don't like the life I'm living in Minneapolis. There's got to be more to this life than where the where I am right now. There's got to be more than just this little, to me, Minneapolis was a small humdrum town. Like everyone had small thinking there. That was my thoughts and my knowledge of people back then, which is very, by the way, prideful. Like who am I to, you know, to, to, to judge people like that or decide, oh, they're just not adventurous enough or they're not, you know, exploring like I am and they're not, you know, finding zest for life and they're not trying to get wealthy and they're not trying to seek things and seek, you know, I wanted to always be a corporate businesswoman one day, but I didn't see a way to get there. So guess what? When I learned how to sell myself physically with my beauty, it was on like a Donkey Kong. Y'all can tell I love the 80s because listen, Donkey Kong was one of my favorite games. <laughs> so anyway, I ended up going to Las Vegas where I live now and I almost lost my life. 10 years solid in the sex industry as a call girl, meeting thousands of different men, having two different traffickers. I had money. I had cars, I had jewelry, I had all the beautiful food that I wanted. I tried almost everything. I had designer this, designer that. I traveled, but there was this ache in my heart and in my soul. Just, this is not real. Like, what is going on? Like, and I saw the more things that I pursued, the deeper the hunger became inside my soul and my spirit, not to mention my stomach. Like my eye was never satisfied. My ears were never satisfied. My stomach was never satisfied. The hunger for money, it never fulfilled me. It seemed like the more money I amassed or the more things that I had, the less happy I became. You guys, there's an answer for all of this actually. Well, you know what? Solomon says some pretty cool stuff about having all those nice things. So if we go to Ecclesiastes 2, let's see what he says about that. He, called it, he calls this the emptiness of pleasure. I said to myself, go ahead. I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy what is good. But it turned out to be futile. I said about laughter, it is madness. And about pleasure, what does this accomplish? I explored with my mind the pull of wine. So in other words, he got drunk on my body. My mind still guided me with wisdom and how to grasp folly until I could see what is good for people to do under heaven during the few days of their lives. Then he goes into pursuit of possessions. I increased my achievements. I built houses, planted vineyards for myself. I made gardens and parks for myself and planted every kind of fruit tree in them. I constructed reservoirs for myself from which to irrigate a grove of flourishing trees, acquired male and female servants and had slaves who were born in my house. I also owned livestock, large herds and flocks, more than all who were before me in Jerusalem. In other words, at the time he was the richest king at the time in Jerusalem. I also amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasures of kings and provinces. I gathered male, female singers. So yeah, he's listening with his ear, trying to get, you know, entertainment and many concubines, the delights of men. You guys listen, 
it sounds like he was someone that wanted a lot of sex and companionship. And hey, I get it. To me, that sounds like a man that has a or a person that has a sexual desire problem. They have an addiction towards that because guess what? Life is just not fulfilling their needs. So now they think intimacy is going to do that. And obviously it says in here, he did not find what he needed. He said, so I became great and suppressed all who were before me. My wisdom also remained with me. All that my eyes desired, I did not deny them. He did whatever. In other words, he lived a hedonistic lifestyle completely. I did not refuse myself any pleasure for I took pleasure in all my struggles. This was my reward for all my struggles. When I considered all that I had accomplished and what I had labored to achieve, I found everything to be futile at a pursuit of the win. He goes back to the first chapter where everything is a pursuit. It's futile. There was nothing to be gained under the sun. Hi friends, I want to talk about our nonprofit today. It's called Destiny House, and it's a place where ladies that have been in the sex industry, ladies that have been sex trafficked, can come and live and recover from their lifestyle. Basically, it's this, to dream, discover, develop into the perfect destiny that God has for them. It's nine to 24 months, and we're so excited because we're actually going to be opening up our second home called Dream House. And this place is a place where ladies can come after the first program and it's more independent living where they have their jobs and their schooling that they're doing and they can become more successful. Because we know that trauma and complex trauma is real. That's why I want to ask you today to please consider to partner with us because most if not all of these ladies come to our program and they're completely broken. They've got heavy complex trauma which comes with so many different issues and comorbidities that they need help just to get stabilized and to get their mind and their heart right and to get healing from that deep trauma. And we have great programs. We have trauma therapy and the ladies go to addiction classes and life skill classes and also equine therapy and they like to do arts and crafts and just it's just a very well holistic trauma-informed well-rounded program that when these ladies come they definitely get their healing and they get a brand new start and a brand new life of promise hope and a great future please partner with us it's on your heart we need to keep our houses open you can go to hookersforjesus.net click on donate or pinkchair.com and click on donate and your donation is tax deductible. Thank you everyone. You know, it, this is just crazy because this is so true. And I don't know if you're listening right now or watching right now, but I know this, that maybe you're in your life right now and you feel like, man, what is my life worth? Like, why am I even here? What's my purpose? and you just feel like you're going in circles and things keep repeating themselves, well, you guys, we're gonna have to get used to that because that's what life is about. It is a repeated cycle of many different things. We see the sun come up and go down. We see flowers uh, in the spring come out of the ground or you know, the flowers are blooming on trees and we're like, oh my gosh, it's so pretty, I smell it. Every spring it comes back, right? We see bees hibernate and they come back and they start pollinating the flowers and it's a cycle of life. But you guys, I wanna encourage everyone right now, there's a beauty to this. And, you know, eventually Solomon found himself 
in that place to understand that. I wanted to share you uh, my own personal take on this. You know, one of the things that I did when I first surrendered my life fully, because as a five-year-old, I was introduced to Jesus, four or five years old, and I was like, wow, Jesus, this is a cool dude. And he could be my friend one day, like he could be something really cool in my life because I really felt that I didn't really have a great connection with my father and Jesus was maybe my answer for a little while. And I ebbed and flowed with my relationship with Jesus. I never let him go completely. I had a deeper relationship when I was eight and nine when I was being abused, but after that I just completely let him go and live this lifestyle that Solomon's talking about. I did whatever it took to fill the hole in my heart. My eyes were big. I took everything in. My ears were huge. My stomach was hungry. I did whatever it was, had tons of different relationships. Now, if I wrote down, which I did one time, all the relationships I had outside of escorting, AKA prostitution, AKA sex trafficking, AKA high class call girl, which I, I counted actually and estimated how many men I had met on my journeys as a call girl, it was probably about 10,000. I know that sounds insane over a 10 year period, okay? But the private relationships I had, and some of you are gonna totally judge me, and I really don't care, to be honest with you. Just deal with yourself with your judgment, because listen, I had about 100 relationships in between all that craziness of, of relationships that I tried to culture and I tried to bring people close to me and have you know intimacy where I wanted to be loved, and I had three major relationships that were very, very abusive, and two of them were traffickers. So it didn't satisfy me. Some of you might not know this, but I am married now. I've been married, it'll be 12 years this year, to a wonderful man named Oz Fox from the band Striper. And let me tell you something, no more pursuit of other men. He is the man for me. And that eventually happened to me, but the first time that I realized that my pursuits fully were just totally futile was August 2nd, 2003, when I fell to my knees and I overdosed on cocaine. You know, kind of like King Solomon talking about the wine, you know, filling himself with the, up with wine, but it's not satisfying anything. The cocaine never satisfied me. The painkillers never satisfied me. The smoking pot did not satisfy me. It says in Proverbs 23:18, for surely there is a hereafter and your hope will not be cut off. At that point in my life, I had lost all hope. I didn't want to live. And I cried out to Jesus, and I'll never forget because I had this vision of myself in a dark, dark, dark funeral. It's like I had an out-of-body experience because I couldn't see. I opened my eyes and I was blind actually when I was having my heart attack. And that happens to some people that are having a heart attack, by the way. That's a, that's a real phenomenon. And I, I saw myself in a coffin and I literally saw myself as this skeletal person with all my relatives coming up to the, co the coffin telling me or saying this person was just a prostitute. They weren't saying this was Annie. They weren't saying she was beautiful, she did this or she did that. She was a wonderful person or, you know, I I'm gonna miss her or anything. It was just like, wow, she was a prostitute. And I like shot up in my, in my soul and I was like, Jesus, help me. I know if you're real, you know, just save me. I, I just need your help right now. And that's all God wants us to do is reach out and cry out to him when we're in this desperate place where even King Solomon was as well. Like life is futile. There's nothing to it. Like what's going on? I keep doing the same thing over and over and nothing is producing any results, no fruit. And so 
That day was a wonderful day for me, August 2nd, 2003. It says in Daniel 2:44, And in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. So knowing at that moment in my life that there is a heaven, that there's a kingdom, right? That's even here on earth too, that we cannot see, but it's here forever. And that we all, whether you believe in God or not, I'm stepping on some atheist toes right now, maybe even agnostic toes, but whether you believe in God or not, it is forever the kingdom of God. Heaven is real, right? It is a real place, I believe this, and that we will live forever. So in the meantime, what are we to do? Guess what? That's good news to me. We're gonna live forever? Well, if we're gonna live forever, I need to tell someone about this. Like, this is my new purpose. Like, guess what, bro? Guess what, sister? Guess what, mom? Guess what, pop? Guess what, grandma? Guess what, grandma? Niece, nephew, friend, lover, whoever. You're gonna live forever. Do you know where you're gonna go when you die? I would hope that you would believe this and that you would choose the right place. It says in Daniel 12, 3, those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. I don't know about you, but I love to look at galaxies and study astronomy and look into the heavens, just the beautiful universe that God has created. You know, we live in the Milky Way and the Milky Way is one galaxy of, I don't know, billions and trillions, whatever they have out there. God created all of it. And there's this kind of a funny prayer I say to God sometimes, like, God, when I die, I want you to take me on an adventure and I want you to take me to some other galaxies. Wouldn't that be cool? So to realize that we do live forever and it says there in that scripture that when we show others righteousness, when we are sharing that with others and we lead each other to righteousness, in other words, the knowledge of God and that God is good and that we need to live our best lives now and that we don't need to destroy other people's lives or our own lives. We need to live like we're gonna live forever, like we know there's something else coming. And how do we introduce people to that kingdom? You know, it says in Jeremiah 17, seven, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. Because listen, everyone, we can't put our hope in money we can't put our hope in things. We can't put our hope in relationships. We can't put our hope in pleasures. But if we put our hope in the Lord, we will be blessed. We will have peace. We will have, uh, you know, just this beautiful, just meditative surrounding that will give us like that peace we've been longing for so long, knowing that God is in control and that God is the ruler of everything. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Doesn't that sound amazing? You, my friend, I also have a future. We 
are going to live forever. And there's hope in that. I don't know what that looks like for you or me, but I do know this. God is faithful and he is to be trusted. It says in Lamentations 3.24, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. Everyone, listen. The moment that I fully place my trust and hope in Jesus is the moment that I saw with new eyes, with a new heart, and I hungered no longer for the big money things and the, and the, the attainment of a ton of different things and five different cars and seven different houses and, you know, power, money, you know, prestige. It, it, it stopped because I knew that if I chased God, you know, God's love would fill me and that I could share his love and his hope of what he's done in my life with others. And that's what we do now. That's what I do now. I am here today to share with you that you don't have to lose hope. Life continues. What you're experiencing is a season. It might happen again, but maybe next time when it happens, you'll be able to handle it better because now God's going to be walking with you because you're going to acknowledge him and surrender to him. It's really good to know that life is not futile. Life has a meaning. Life is full of hope. Life is full of adventure. Life is full of beauty. Life is full of love. One of the things that helps me the most right now in my life is not just being married to my husband and working in ministry, helping ladies get out of sex trafficking with Destiny House and Hookers for Jesus, Pink Chair, is the fact that I can love other human beings and I can bless other people with that love. I can show care. I can show concern. I can help them. I can give them resources if they're depressed, if they want to commit suicide, if they're, they feel like they can't get beyond the season that they're in and they're just stuck in their trauma. I can be that person that can shine the light and say, hey, there's an end to this, you know, and, and let me help guide you out. There's a pathway out of this. God is good. God is going to heal you. God has a plan for your life. Your life is never going to end. It's going to be forever. And, you know, no matter what, God is the hope of our salvation. He alone saves. We don't save ourselves. We put our trust and our faith in him. He is faithful to meet us right where we're at. You do not have to be cleaned up or change to have God love you and meet you where you are. He doesn't require that. He just requires for you to just ask for him to help you. That's it, and he'll do it. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's program. I just wanna encourage you today, if this blessed you, I need you to share this with your friends if they needed to hear this message today. And listen, you know, remember this, life is not futile. Life is full of hope, it's full of beauty, and life is full of the pursuit of God and his beautiful foreverness of heaven and the kingdom of heaven. See you guys on the next Pink Chair. Love you. Hi friends, it's Annie Lobert from Annie's Pink Chair and I am actually on location at our nonprofit ministry called The Destiny House. 
And this is what each woman comes to when she enters our Destiny House program for sex trafficking victims. Would you please consider partnering with us monthly or just send us a one-time donation? Just go to our website at hookersforjesus.net and click on donate.